Welcome into the morning relay at rotofanatic.com's daily breakdown of the fantasy baseball realm. You're listening live to myself, Michael Gobier, and two of the finest men in the business. That's right. It's me and Nathan Dockin is here live on a Sunday night as we're wrapping up Braves Phillies. It's 10 to 8 Braves. It's still only the fourth inning. Nathan, what's going on, man? What up, Gobe? It's, uh, I'm kind of afraid to talk to you. Somehow, before we started recording this we hadn't brought up the the tigers have just been dismantling my twins the, hmm. all week and it's very disconcerting so you know i'm sure we're going to talk about some trades throughout the course of this show and i hope my twins get in on that red hot trade action hey i got a lot to say about all that but we'll table it for now i'll, I'll give you a reprieve <laughs> uh we got joining us for the first time on the show it's our very own mr doctor mike carter's in the house our very own expert on the bullpen he does this every sunday he releases his uh oh christ i'm an idiot i'm blanking out on the name <laughs> it's called closing remarks mike <laughs> i just i it's just a, you, you only own the website but you don't know what it's called that's okay no worries yeah yeah that's great right that instills confidence uh, yeah <laughs> the closing remarks comes out every sunday where he literally covers every bullpen in baseball mike welcome to the show thanks for coming on I really appreciate being on. I'm looking forward to it. I've been following both of you guys for a really long time and uh, really excited to be on the team at Roto Fanatic and covering bullpens, even though I'm losing sleep over them. (laughs) Oh, well, you're not the only one, if that makes it feel any better. So don't forget to go to RotoFanatic.com. And I do know it's called Closing Remarks, but we all have brain farts, (laughs) even myself. And I'm never going to live that one down, but go there, check it out, read Mike's article. And uh, Nathan, you got your uh, barometer coming out tomorrow, right? Anything you want to tease? I'm still working on it. I'm, I, I like to kind of wait until most of the performances are all done here on Sunday before I really dive into everything, like who's moving and shaking. But, you know, obviously uh, the Ian Anderson call-up is going to be interesting. We're going to talk about uh, the rise and fall of some pitchers. Unfortunately, more falling from uh, my boy Frankie Montas as he continues to struggle. Uh, but there are some other newcomers as well, so plenty to discuss this week on the SP Barometer. Hmm. Yeah, that's a damn shame. It really is, Frankie. I'm starting killing to- me, killing you, killing me, Smalls. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, check out RotoFanatic.com. We got great stuff as always, and follow us on Twitter at Roto underscore Fanatic. So, gentlemen, uh, top of the list, we got to dive into some trade talks. You know, it's the deadline. By the time people are listening to this, it's Monday, and the deadline will be sneaking up. You may or not have already passed the deadline when you listen to this episode, and. You know, it's been some interesting moves, completely dominated by the Padres, who have made one, two, three, at least three moves and possibly a fourth. They acquired Jason Castro, Mitch Moreland, Trevor Rosenthal, and their talks as of right now about the Austin Nola trade. We don't know if it's going to happen yet, so we'll leave that be. But uh, based on all those trades, what do you think is most beneficial from a fantasy perspective, Nathan? Well... I mean, it's it's a lot of names moving around. I don't know that there's necessarily any huge fantasy takeaways. Mitch Moreland going to San Diego is kind of a, we were talking about this a little bit beforehand, a little bit of a head scratcher there. He should get some at-bats, uh, you know, at DH first base out there in San Diego. But Hosmer is actually crushing this year. He's getting the ball off the ground for the first time in his entire career. And so it's not like they're going to slap him in and run Eric Hosmer out of town. So uh, I think it's kind of a lateral move there in deeper leagues. You've probably already been playing Mitch Moreland. I know in a draft and hold where I snagged him in like the 47th round or something, uh, he's been quite the boon to my team there. But uh, yeah, otherwise, I mean, probably some catching upgrades, I guess, defensively, maybe for that pitching staff. But 
uh, with with Jason Castro. But uh, yeah, otherwise, um, nothing huge really stands out to me there with those. Mike, what about the bullpen issue? Rosenthal, do you think he'll be the clear favorite with San Diego? Even though Pagan has been pretty good in his last five outings. Yeah, Pagan has to really taken the role and, and kind of run with it. Um, he's had some shaky ones in there too, but the last week he's been pretty good. Uh, Pomeranz came off the uh, IL last night too, so they've got their bullpen back healthy other than uh, Kirby Yates, obviously, who's out for the year. But I would really look for Rosenthal to close and have Pomeranz and um, Stammen and Pagan be – uh, shifted an inning back. And I think it's Rosenthal's job to kind of run with. And, you know, we took some deeper dives on him uh, in the closing remarks stuff. And uh, he looks like he's for real again. I mean, he's, his stuff's looking really good. So um, I would, I would guess that they didn't get him to use in the sixth or seventh inning, but I get stranger things have happened this year as we know. Um, yeah. But I would, I would look for him in the ninth to at least start um, w- with San Diego there. Oh, quickly, Mike, what about the Givens trade to Colorado? Does I mean, I read your article. I did read your closing remarks. And you said that <laughs> Bard, Bard could be the guy right now, Daniel Bard in Colorado. So quickly, tell me what you think of the Colorado situation. And with Givens moving on, is Sulcer out? And is it going to be more Hunter Harvey, who is officially back now? Yeah, that's good. It's a good, really good question, Mike. I think um, Givens has been really solid in that eighth inning role for Baltimore and Baltimore for reasons that none of us can fully understand, continue to run salsa out there. Um, I, I would not be surprised at all to see Harvey getting some opportunities there. Although the Baltimore has been pretty competitive. I mean, surprisingly so, I mean, a lot of people didn't think they'd win 20 games and, uh, they're, they're hovering right around 500 and hanging in there. Um, it would not surprise me to see Harvey get some of those opportunities and, and moving forward with Givens. Uh, Givens has been really good in the eighth inning. I mean, he's he's been almost unhittable. And so uh, I, I would guess that in Colorado, I mean, what a mess. I mean, they got Diaz, they got Estevez, they've got Bard. Bard looks like he's back from the dead. Um, it, pretty wild situation there. I would guess that they would use Givens in the eighth again and and work with Bard. But Givens also has experience closing, and they don't their options there are not super great. I mean, I, I really like Estevez, but he's, he's shaky. I, you know, at best his control and his command are not always where they need to be. Yeah. So I, I think Gibbons will probably stick in the eighth uh, there, but stranger things have happened again this year, as we know. I mean, crazy. I'm not going to hold you to any of that. I mean, <laughs> it's not really fair to say, but I do appreciate your advice. Uh, Nathan, I, I don't really know how to tackle this, but I want to ask you real quickly. I mean, right now at this moment, there's rumors swirling about Clevenger maybe being moved. Uh, Lance Lynn might stay put. He might get moved. We have, he might go to your twins, for all we know. Who were, yes, swept by the Tigers this weekend, which is so bizarre to me. As a Tigers fan, it blows my mind. I don't know how the hell it happened, and I almost don't believe it still because I started Kenta Maeda today with such confidence. I'm like, oh, well, this this winning streak has to stop here. Maeda's going to shut the door, but these Tigers are battling, and the twins are scuffling a little bit. I don't think it's anything to worry about. But what does your fantasy take for a possible Lynn trade and a Clevenger trade wherever he goes? Do you see it really factoring into changing any of the situations for those players? Well, uh, I have actually, I still wake up in cold sweats in the middle of the night from that span of time when Lance Lynn was with the Twins a few years ago. If you recall, he was just god awful. And then he got traded to the Yankees and he was slightly better. And then he kind of had his career resurgence after that. So I don't really want him back. (laughs) No, even now? Uh, maybe, maybe now, I guess it'd be fine, but it's, uh, you know, it'd be kind of weird. So we'll see if they do that. I would much rather see them swing a trade, like a bigger trade for Mike Clevenger. But in terms of either of them, you know, unless they go to one of the more extreme ballparks, I don't think that um, there would be a, a huge shift 
in terms of uh, in terms of their own fantasy value. But you know, we're we, we're seeing rumors about the Braves now. That would be interesting. They've definitely got uh, the prospects to trade for them. We know the White Sox do as well if they want to tap into the upper edges of that farm yeah. system. But you know, Clevenger is not going to go cheap. Although it does sound like uh, Cleveland is dead set on dealing him either now or in the off season. They just don't want to pay him for. For whatever reason, you know, I would not be happy if I was a Cleveland fan. But yeah, fantasy wise, I wouldn't be too worried about him moving anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got an all AL Central panel here, actually, because Mike <laughs> is a White Sox guy. So well, how about that? And the AL Central has been a lot of fun this year. Everybody poo pooed it coming into the year, but uh, you know, yeah. the White Sox have flourished, and even the Royals are fun. So screw everybody else. That's what I said. <laughs> but hey, you know, I don't really mean that. I'm just saying, hey, show some respect for the AL Central. All right, you're listening to RunFanatic.com's Morning Relay. Uh, I want to quickly talk about this COVID situation and how it affects the week. You know, you got the A's and the Astros game canceled Sunday. There's a COVID infection somewhere. I don't believe we know at this time, Nathan, who it is, right? Uh, no. But the game was canceled, and the Astros are in A's are off Monday, I believe. So the A's will start playing Seattle on Tuesday. What do you – is this like – this is like trying to answer what happened with the Reds last week. You just don't know what to do, and it's a real yeah. mess, right? I mean, is there anything else you can say about it? Yeah, no, it, you just got to hope that there's some news that you hear before lineup lock. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe there's a bit of an early game tomorrow, so you might be screwed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just, you know, uh, I would try to get away from those teams if I can, because who knows? But, you know, <laughs> you, you still got to roll your studs out. You know, if you're starting George Springer or whatever, then – uh, it's really hard to bench him. So you just got to kind of cross your fingers that everything gets cleared. Yeah. What do you think, Mike? I mean, is this just a, a nasty situation? You, if I have Mark Canna and I want to start him this week, is it too risky? Yeah, it, it, it might be. I mean, I, but I agree with what Nathan says. I mean, if you got studs, you got to roll with them. And quite honestly, this year, I've kind of scrapped a lot of strategy. I mean, I've, I've really kind of looked at it as a rebuilding year for a lot of my fantasy teams just because uh, of the fact that I can't, I don't know what's going to happen. And it feels like so out of my control that I haven't done that. But, you know, I had the same issue with the Nationals with Juan Soto a couple of weeks ago, too. It's like, what do you do? You know, I, I personally, I think you run with it because even if you get two or three games in, two or three games of Soto is better than seven games of like some of the other scrubs that got on my bench, you know? So. Yeah, you're right about that. And you're right, Nathan. One uh, ten tomorrow Marlins and Mets mm. on a Monday, a matinee, and then it's Orioles in Toronto at two Oh seven Eastern time. So mm. that's fun. That's gives us plenty of time to relax and just take it easy. Right. <laughs> No, it doesn't. Okay, let's talk the weekend that was, though, and the action we saw on the baseball field. There was a lot of fun stuff. And Adam Wainwright, the 39-year-old man, throws a complete game on Sunday. He's just – I mean, this is against Cleveland, though, Nathan, and I think that does need to be said because Cleveland's offense, as we discussed on the show more than once, is just not very good. I mean, it's not Pittsburgh-level bad, but it's pretty – it's pretty somber offensively, but still, what do you make of Adam Rainwright in his ER? I mean, it's only like 34 innings or so, but he's got an ERA under three, and he's throwing complete games at 39 years old. Right, and that's actually – so he just crept into my top 100 last week. So the downside is that he – so he had nine strikeouts today, so I can't really say that he's not missing bats. But on the season, uh, he's got a 6.62K per nine right now. So on the whole, he is really not uh, missing that many bats, but – uh, when curveball crazy in this one, 38% curveballs uh, with a 39% CSW. So he's got the old Uncle Charlie still working for him out there. And the control is still there. Uh, so he's not blowing guys away, but he's 
you know, the crafty veteran, he's still getting it done. And because he's putting up so many innings, you kind of got to respect it a little bit. I don't think that he's a streaming type or, uh, you know, he's barely a streaming type for me. Like he's still kind of a back end top 100 guy. But uh, when you're not getting that many strikeouts, you're kind of at the whims of the BABIP gods. And if you look at his BABIP on the season, it's sitting at 202. And that is Mm -hmm. something that, you know, I don't want to tempt those BABIP gods. If the K's aren't there, I'm only going to be using him in, uh, you know, matchups that he can take advantage of. Oh, that is just brutally awful. I can't, I can't live with that. I, that's, that is a collapse waiting to happen. I'm sorry, folks. I'm just, I'm not going to sit for that. I'm not going to wait around for the next blow up, but Mike, I wanted to save this one for you. Dane Dunning. Oh yeah. Standing start. Yeah. Lovely you, outing on seven, a, on seven a strikeouts today, uh, seven strikeouts today in five innings. Um, through pretty well. Of course, the Steve Ciszek made it real interesting and didn't need to, but, um, they ended up winning that game on the, uh, Louis Robert uh, walk-off three-run homer in the 10th inning, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, Dunning, you know, the thing about Dunning that I really like is he just knows how to pitch, you know? I mean, he, the, the stuff isn't, isn't great. It's not like the lights out stuff that you would, you know, you were hoping for, but you know, that trade again, I mean, they traded Adam Eaton, they got Dunning, they got Ronaldo Lopez and they got Giolito. I mean, that's a pretty remarkable trade. Um, but, you know, Dunning really knows he's not afraid and he knows what he's doing out there. And, and I think, you know, having Grandal there and McCann, they've got two really good catchers there that have really helped some of those young guys get focused up. Dunning could stick. I mean, I, they don't really have a lot of other options, I don't think, Nathan, do you? I mean, I, they've, got, they've got their three guys and, and, you know, Cease is questionable with his command as well. Gonzalez is now on the, on the injured list again. I mean, I, unless they make a trade, I think he's going to stick. Yeah, there's, I mean, I would rather see Cease in the bullpen before I'd see Dunning, you know, optioned or or sent to the pen or anything like that. It's not like they've got a, a burgeoning bullpen or a rotation, you know, like mm-hmm. you said. And, you know, I, I think I mentioned uh, on these very airwaves a week or two ago, whenever Dunning made his debut, it was unfortunately against Casey Mize, right? So he was kind of caught in that shadow. He just he went underappreciated, but he's a guy who I've really uh, enjoyed as a prospect for a long time. He was uh, really underappreciated after his, you know, coming back from Tommy John surgery. And so he kind of was unheralded, but yes, it's 48% CSW on the slider today. Ooh. He had that sucker working. Yeah, and he so, did. yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be uh, definitely a streamer worthy start for me the rest of the way. Yeah. I think his breaking stuff's pretty solid. I like his curveball and that slider, like you mentioned. So I think there's, there's a reason he was a first round pick once upon a time. So he's, he's legit. And Rick Renteria was saying, Based on what he saw today, it's a reason to stay. There's no reason to not start him again. With don't Gonzalez. ever listen to don't ever listen to Ricky Renneria talk about pitching. <laughs> oh boy, so here oh, we go. God awful. Solid, everybody hates their own manager, don't they? <laughs> Nathan, do you, uh, do you like Rocco Baldelli? I love Rocco Baldelli. I will say hey! that. So yeah, I've I've got Rocco's back, but that is after I endured the uh, the the Terry Ryan uh, era and just a whole lot of real. <laughs> real bad ownership and uh you know behind the times management so mm-hmm. talk about a fret of pressure or a fret of pressure oh my god <laughs> you know what i meant to say Oof. hey it's sunday we're a little rusty that's okay the weekend <laughs> will do that to you you're listening yep. to rotofanatic.com's morning relay don't forget to follow us on twitter at roto <laughs> underscore i'm not even drunk i'll say that he <laughs> said oh he's not i don't <laughs> know hey we we uh test everybody before every show. I, I was I was wondering what was in Nathan's bottle there, but I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> this is just water, baby. I haven't had a drink all day long, so it's just yeah, my dude. inability to speak. 
Hey, it happens. That's why we're on the air. All right. So uh, Luis Robert, as you mentioned, walk off through your own blast. That's a lot of fun. Uh, the biggest joke on Twitter was the trade Robert for Clevenger. It's the dumbest thing I ever heard. I'm not. No. I can't even believe I addressed it, but I did. And I'm going to move on because it's laughable. <laughs> uh, the Cubs had three guys. Three guys hit two home runs apiece at none other place, Nathan, than Great American Ballpark. So. The surprise of the three, Schwarber, Hayward, and Hap. Uh, which one's most surprising to you? With Hayward being the likely power surprise, which one is the best value for fantasy rest of season? And would you say there's a buy low situation with any of the three at this point? I don't know if you could buy low, but I would buy. I mean, on some of these guys, Ian Hap has been really surprising to me this year. It's been impressive what he's been able to do, uh, cutting down on the strikeouts and lowering his launch angle has actually worked out really well for him. It's allowed him to uh, have more hits drop in instead of just hitting cans of corn when they these balls don't leave the yard. But uh, career best 91 mile per hour exit velocity so far. Like I said, his you know so his career launch angle 13.3 degrees last year 16 degrees this year just 8.2 so hmm. you think that'd be bad you know for the power but uh still hitting for some power the uh, x batting average 288 i don't know if i even believe in that but top 10 percent <laughs> woba x woba he's drawing a ton of walks like i said cutting down on the k's uh 88th percentile hard hit so like this guy is really getting it done he's just 26 years old just seems like he's been around for a while you know so it, it feels like a, a total post hype breakout kind of thing but i'm liking what ian hap's doing not totally bought into the batting average but uh, i think that uh, he's going to be really solid the rest of the way okay uh mike let me ask you this then the back of the bullpen for the cubs jeffress gets a save yesterday oh my god uh, and then kimbrel comes crazy, in the second wasn't it? Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, after Darvish pitched a gem, which I was going to ask Nathan about in a second. But first, Mike, what do you think of Jeffress getting the save in the first game of the doubleheader on Saturday, but then Kimbrel coming in the second game and blowing it in the doubleheader? Doesn't that obviously seem like Jeffress? Because Wick has also flamed out a bit recently. Mm -hmm. Is it Jeffress? Yeah, I mean, I I actually think it is Jeffress right now. I, I, I would be surprised if, if the Cubs think that they're in this thing, and it seems like they do – they really need to address this situation. I mean, uh, Kimbrell is, they can't try to reclaim him anymore. Uh, last night, he was god-awful. Um, Jeffers got the save in the first game, as you pointed out. That was his fourth of the year. Um, he's walked the tight the tightrope a couple of times, but he's getting the job done, and he's got experience doing it in Milwaukee and also yeah, in that's Texas. That's the difference between him and Wick is that experience, right? Right, and and Jeff and Jeffress, I think you know he's pretty calm. I think he's I think he's the, the right guy for the job right now. But Kimbrel in the second game, I mean, that was crazy. I mean, he they they tried him in the eighth inning against the White Sox last week when they were playing the Sox, and he started off great. He struck out the first two guys, and I was like, whoa, maybe he's got it. Like maybe he figured it out. And then he could not – he had no command. The curveball was all over the place. He threw three wild pitches last night. He had three walks and didn't – the game on, a, on the wild pitch there in the last inning against the Reds. I, I just don't think Ross can he, continue running him out there and let him try to figure it out. I mean, they're 19 and 14. They started off really hot, and they've kind of run across some hard times here. Um I, I think it's Jeffress, unless they make a move tomorrow. I mean, I, and who's even available? We don't we don't really know even what kind of bullpen arms would be available and upgrades for them. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think it is Jeffress right now. Yeah, everyone's scrapping. Uh, but real quick, back to Darvish's start on Saturday. Nathan, is Darvish in top five now in your rankings? I mean, if you had, <laughs> or is that too much of a stretch? I mean, he looked really good. No. He got out of a jam and everything. Yeah, no, it's funny that you said top five because I have him at SP6. 
So, <laughs> so yeah, he is. I, I believe in every single bit of what he's doing right now, but he's still behind only Cole DeGrom, Bieber, Scherzer, and then Aaron Nola. And you could argue that he, he, you would rather have him over Aaron Nola the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Potato, potato. I'm not going to argue with you on that. <laughs> if you want to keep rolling with Darvish, uh, whom I love. I mean, you look at just what he's done since he's been up over the last decade. He's been one of the most prolific strikeout pitchers. Um, and he's showing no signs of stopping now. He has, you know, dealt with injuries in the past. He's dealt with uh, some poor command. But last year we saw the command really take a step forward. He's carried that success over into this year. And he's just throwing the crap out of that cutter. It's been a great pitch for him. And so he's just got it all firing right now. And hopefully, I mean, all he's got to do is stay healthy for this last month. Knock on wood. It'll be just fine. And, yeah, he could very well finish as a top five starting pitcher for 2020. Yeah, you know, it's five and six. It's kind of like, hey, would you rather be George Clooney or Brad Pitt? Yeah, who cares? (laughs) It's a win-win. Everybody wins. You're doing well either way. That's how I see it. But I want to get your take, Nathan, on a return I've been looking forward to for a minute. So Sandy Alcantara returned finally after a long COVID layoff. And I'm not sure if you dumped him out of your rankings because of COVID or how much that affects. You can talk about that. But uh, he he just did not look good. And it was his first start in a while. So I was willing to write it off. But I definitely didn't start him in a league I had him in because I wanted to see what he'd be like after the long layoff. What are your uh, thoughts on Alcantara rest of season now? Yeah, well, it had been over a month since he pitched. So he was on the IL for a very, very long time. And I tend to stay away from those first starts back as well. As long as it's not one of those you know, kind of must-start guys, like a top 30 guy, then I'll roll them out there pretty much no matter what when they're back because you know you drafted those guys to be your horse and uh, that's what exactly what you want them to do. But a guy like Sandy Alcantara, a little bit more on the fringes, a guy who I liked this year, thought his strikeout stuff should have played up a little bit more than it did last year you know but he's still a little bit more on the fridges and if you did sit him today that was good because he did blow up uh <laughs> eight, eight runs and four innings just five earned but yeah the strikeout stuff wasn't there yet just really rusty I, I would expect better things from him so far i wouldn't be surprised honestly if he finishes uh you know somewhere within like my top 50 in the sp barometer that's the kind of uh, optimism that i do have on it but that said even if his next start I might want to take a wait and see approach. I want to see it a little bit more. You know, it might take a little bit of time for him to get that arm back to where it needs to be. Mike, I know you loved Alcantara. We talked on my podcast a couple months ago how much you were excited. And he looked great in his first start against the Phillies before Mm -hmm. COVID ruined everything. So Mm -hmm. what is your feeling now at this point as well? Well, I had taken him in a couple of drafts, like as my, you know, fourth or fifth starter, which I thought was uh, good money spent back then. And then obviously we had the, the issues with the COVID and, 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 you know, getting back and being rusty, like Nathan said, um, I, I still have him. I stashed him on my bench uh, in hopes that, you know, maybe in this last month, he, he really does show that stuff that he had at the end of last year that Nathan was just pointing out. I mean, you know, I, I had him at a, at a point where I thought, you know, if everything broke right, you know, he could be a top 15, 20 guy in the national league this year, based on what we were seeing at the end of last year. But it's hard to say now. I mean, I still have him, and I'm going to keep him, um in, in most of the leagues that I have him in and just see what he does for me. One of the biggest disappointments on Sunday was seeing Brandon Woodruff struggle against a Pittsburgh offense that had been no hit this week and had been dominated by a couple other pitchers this week. Nathan, Brandon Woodruff, what the hell's going on here? I mean, it wasn't god-awful, but, I mean, it wasn't great. He gave up four earned runs, he had three walks, and four hits in five innings. He struck out seven, but he gave up a couple homers to a really soft-hitting Pittsburgh team. 
Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate, you know, just one of those things that happens and there's nothing you can really do about it. You know, I would have been all about him in DFS had I woke up uh, early enough to <laughs> roll him up, put together a lineup today, but uh, I did not. But uh, if you look at his pitch mix today, he was, oh boy, like over 80% uh, sinkers and four seams. His off-speed stuff just was not there today uh, through just seven sliders, six change-ups, three curves all day. The change-up in particular, uh, he really leans on that pitch. is just a 17% CSW. So it's just one of those things he didn't have the off-speed stuff working. So you take your lumps, you move on, you keep starting Brandon Woodruff. So you're not sweating it then? It just happens? No. Yep. Okay. Well, the problem for the Brewers fans, though, is that the clock's ticking on their season. Mm-hmm. They need, they're considering him to be the ace, and... That is a bummer in real life. And it's also a bummer in fantasy when he can't come through on a Sunday at the end of the week against the Pirates. By the way, Nathan gets up early all week long, guys. So, uh, <laughs> let the man sleep in on That's Sunday. That's awesome. Right? Absolutely. I got to defend you on that one. I can't, stay, I, can't, I can't stay in bed on Sunday. I got to get I got to get the closing remarks to Mike and Matt. Hey, I got to get out of here by 7 o'clock in the morning so that I can get out <laughs> with my day. Man, you talk about dedication, Holmes. That's impressive. Yeah. Ah, you listen to the Morning Relay, RoadFanatic.com, where we have closing remarks every Sunday by that guy right there, Mike Carter. Uh, Mike, real quick, I want to talk about Tiger's closer, uh, Gregory Soto now, because Joe Jimenez has fallen on harsh times. But he did get a hold today, uh-huh. but Soto back-to-back saves over Nathan's twins, unfortunately. And Soto, yeah, Soto looks good. Soto looks, would- Soto's looked good all year. I would like to point out that about four weeks ago, I, I called that in the closing remarks, and I said there's no way that him – not that you have to be a rocket scientist to figure it out, but Jimenez was not going to hold on to that job because Soto is disgusting. I mean, the stuff that he throws is crazy. He's, yeah, but he, he's not, that- he struggled a lot pre- before this year. He hadn't put it all together. As a Tigers you know, insider oh, – that's stupid. I'm not an insider. As a Tigers <laughs> fan, it just like he hadn't done anything in the minors to show that he could be the closing guy. All fastballs, all fastballs. The Sox bashed him pretty good a couple of weeks back. Um, but you know, he's throwing a 97 mile an hour sinker. He throws it about 66% of the time, and it's up about two and a half miles an hour from what he was in last year. And so the the velocity on that is really good and it's been really effective for him. He throws the four seamer about 97 miles an hour too, but he's only thrown that about 13% of the time. And he's got that slider that's really been working for him pretty well this year too. He's thrown that about 21% of the time, but that sinker is, I mean, as a general rule, when you follow pitching, right, you don't like guys that throw a lot of sinkers, but when they throw them 97 to 99, yeah, there's a lot to like there. And I, and I think there's no reason for them not to give him an opportunity to do it. It. Um, you know, the stuff is there. I, I some people have this predilection against against left-handed closers, which I've yeah. I've I've never really fully understood. I mean, if the guy's got the stuff, it doesn't matter what to me, it doesn't matter which hand he is. And there are some people who really do care about that. But they they're 16 and 16. They're they're in the middle of this thing. I don't think that they feel that they're contending necessarily. There's no reason for them not to have Soto try to close for a while. Yeah, I completely agree. Billy Wagner was a hell of a left-handed closer. Uh, Nathan, Matthew Boyd on Saturday for the Tigers, he pitched pretty good. Unfortunately, he pitched well against your twins. I'm, I'm just saying, these are facts. I'm Man, not <laughs> and you are, you're yeah, killing sure. them tonight. I'm, I'm just saying, I got to report what would happen, you know. But uh, Boyd looked pretty decent, and uh, it couldn't have been much worse from the start of the year. How do we view Boyd right now, Nathan? Well, uh, the, the, the twins' bats for his highly as they were touted in this off season. I mean, Nelson Cruz has just been absolutely crushing it, but they're without Josh Donaldson. They've been without him for the better part of 
August and uh, the rest of their bats just aren't really hitting. Miguel Sano's finally picking it up, but he's still struggling. You know, Byron Buxton, their most dynamic player overall, sitting on the IL like he usually does. So that lineup can be taken advantage of right now. They have not put up the runs that uh, everyone pretty much expected from them. Uh, and for Matt Boyd, I'm not really looking at him any differently than I have. He's just one of those guys who's the strikeouts are going to be there, whether he gives you the results you're looking for or not. But the results might not actually be there in terms of the ERA. He just tends to get uh, hit hard. I mean, the, the fastball is just very homer prone. And uh, even the slider has uh, it's got a 396 X Woba this year. So even that's been getting tattooed compared wow. to a, a 246 X Woba last year. So, um, you know, it's all about location for him. The changeup was really good in the start against the uh, Twins. So uh, that's kind of an extra feather in his cap that he hasn't really had the last two years. So there's some optimism in that regard if the changeup continues to work for him. So it's two decent starts in a row now. But, you know, he still has that volatility. I don't think I can ever put him uh, in a top 40 unless I see just a real long sustained success over this final month of 2020. Okay, well, you heard it from Nathan right there directly. Uh, we're starting to close up the show here. Let's run through a few things real quick. Uh, Nathan, on Tuesday, we, you and I talked about Chris Paddock, and he got rolled mm-hmm. that night against Seattle. But he looked good at Coors Field today. So how do you feel about Paddock after that? Do you feel like he's, he just figured it out or he had a bad start against Seattle? What's uh, the quick breakdown of Paddock at this point? Yeah, you know, I said you got to keep rolling with him. You drafted him early as one of your horses, and you just uh, even in Coors, you got to throw him out there. And, uh, you know, he managed to defeat the Coors today. So that is always a nice boon. But, I mean, just keep keep throwing him out there. I mean, the, like we said, the fastball he has been struggling with this year. But um, everything else is working out pretty well for him. You just got to keep rolling him out there and hope that he continues to build on the start. And uh, Gavin Lux was called up for a doubleheader earlier in the week, then sent back down, then called back up. And on Sunday, he went two for four. And he could be finally back on track. And the long-awaited arrival of Lux is here. Uh, Edwin Diaz had an interesting weekend, though, and Mike. He had a good save. And then he blew it. Um, what do we make? It's just the same old story. Nothing changed. Everybody got really excited because he started to strike out a lot more guys recently. And he was looking more calm. But then he fell apart again. The guy kills me, you know? I mean, it's just I, – I I drafted him in so many leagues this year thinking, oh, I'm, I'm going to make him be my second closer and I, I'm going to get bang for my buck. I mean, it's just been an ulcer the whole the whole summer, you know? Um, you know, and today, he, you know, he gives up the walk-up – the walk-off in the, the Yankees game, and it's like he just can't – it's like he's snake bit or something. He can't get out of his own way. And, and I think the thing that's really interesting is that – the, when you look at the peripherals, I mean, Nathan, correct me if I'm wrong on this too. I mean, if you look at his peripherals, it looks like he should be doing really well. And then you've put him in real action and he just is all over the place. He's, you know, he walks guys, he gives up a bloop and then he gives up a blast. I mean, it just seems like everything he does, he'll have one good one. Like you said, Saturday night looked great. He three strikeouts. He was clean. He looked good. And today he just stunk again. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's just uh, how it rolls with relievers. Very small sample sizes, especially this year. So you just have, you know, a couple rocky outings and everything looks terrible for the whole year. Welcome to hell. Uh, real quick, I know we're <laughs> wrapping up. Uh, Nathan, two fringe guys, like fringe 12 league guys, Jay Happ and Taylor Clark. Uh, you know, they both look pretty good this weekend. Jay Happ has turned it around a little bit recently. What's your quick take on those two guys? Are they even sniffing the top 100, like on the very edge of the fringe, or is that ridiculous? 
You know, it's not ridiculous. I have not been real huge fans of either one of those guys. But that said, there's been so much volatility. You know, guys, guys dropping off the list and with the IL stints and whatnot, there's definitely room for guys like that. But I'm not necessarily, you know, waiting. I, I guess I would probably be most interested in Taylor Clark. But Jay Happ, I mean, he's been kind of one of those guys who's just been living on pop-ups for the later part in his career and when he's not getting that he's getting crushed and you know so i'm just i'm not buying in there there's not uh not a ton of uh strikeout upside there either so i mean yeah, 37 year old guy i'll uh you know hard pass hey yeah, two good starts in a row so it baffles me oh it happened uh david garcia made his debut too he went six innings six k's four hits no earned runs so that's exciting we'll see if he gets to stick around or not that's not a guarantee since there was a lot you know endless double headers everywhere all right so as we look towards monday here in the morning relay rotofanatic.com's daily breakdown of the fantasy baseball realm quickly uh mike is there any one thing you'll be looking forward to on monday is there a trade that you're hoping possibly happens or uh, a start uh, anything that you're looking forward to on monday i'm really hoping that the white Sox are going to make a trade obviously being a homer on this on this show here uh for a starting pitcher i don't know that that that's going to happen or if it does maybe it's somebody like dylan bundy that they can afford and and would be okay uh he's actually had a pretty good year so far this year but i'm looking forward to that yankees and Rays series um, I think that's going to be a really interesting series. I, the Tampa Bay just, they're amazing. I don't know how they do it. I mean, they, they're, their bullpen is being held together with duct tape and super glue right now, and they still continue to find ways to win. It's remarkable. That's so true. Yeah, for, for me, I mean, I'm hoping for much of the same thing. I hope that uh, the Twins make a, a big splash trade for, you know, for a Clevenger, uh, a Bundy, something along those lines. I don't think we can continue to uh, hope that Randy Dobnek is, uh, you know, one of the <laughs> aces of the team. And uh, they don't have a whole lot of high-end prospects waiting to come up. Um, so, you know, I, I would definitely keep my uh, fingers crossed for that. I guess I should say, though, um, it might you know, if you can still pick this guy up, Michael Pineda is coming back, I believe, on Tuesday, Tuesday oh, yeah. or Wednesday. So he's Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday start against the White Sox, Mike. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there you go. He was really, really good uh, over the last couple months last season before he unfortunately had that suspension that kept him out up until now. But he's been getting stretched out, you know, throwing his bullpens and everything. So hopefully he's good to go for five innings in that debut. I'm glad you said that because we're going to cover that more on uh, Monday's show, too, or for the Tuesday. This is Monday's show. <laughs> Tuesday's show, whenever the hell it's recorded, it's for Tuesday because <laughs> Pineda makes his return after the suspension. So don't forget, this is RotoFanatic.com's Morning Relay. You can catch us Monday through Friday. We cover all the baseball stuff in 30 minutes or less, basically. And you can find me at MJ Govier on Twitter. And don't forget to go to RotoFanatic.com. Check out all the great stuff we got. Closing remarks from Mike Carter. It's awesome. And... SP Barometer from Nathan Dock. We got the two guys who have articles that will be available or out now on our website. Good stuff. Uh, Mike, tell people where they can find you real quick on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at MDRC0508. Uh, I am not really a doctor. I want to always uh, preface everything that we say by that. <laughs> I'm a I'm a high school uh, principal uh, administrator in a special ed school, so the Mr. Doctor thing is awesome. It's caught on, but it's it's fun. But my wife always tells me that I have to let people know that I'm not really a doctor. <laughs> well, neither am I. So that makes two of us. I'm on Twitter at Nathan Dockin. That is my name. So easy enough. Yeah, check out the starting pitcher barometer coming out on Monday. <laughs> All right, thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you on Tuesday post deadline.